Let's take our copies of God's Word and let's turn once again to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, tonight we're going to be looking uh, at the sections that perhaps in your ESV Bible are headed with Gimel and Daleth, uh, the sections that acrostically uh, are close to our G and D, um, uh, verses 17 to 32, as this psalm gives us the A to Z of how we might seek God through His Word. And tonight especially what we're going to find is that these These verses, these two stanzas, tell us that the way we seek God in His Word is to recognize that God's Word actually gives voice to our sorrows. We can actually use God's Word to to express the the deepest laments of our hearts. And in using God's Word in that way, giving voice to our sorrows, using God's Word, we actually are directing God's Word to God in such a way that God hears and responds But in order to see this tonight, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So would you pray with me, please? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we do come this this Lord's Day evening, and we desire once again to hear you speak in and through Holy Scripture. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come, that you would open our eyes of faith. As the psalmist says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Lord, grant us this, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 119, verse, beginning in verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from your command. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told you of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. March 16, 2020. That was the day that we began shutting the church down. We had had worship services, you might remember the day before, uh, I had the great joy that day of, of baptizing an adult convert, but it came clear by Monday morning that COVID was going to be more than simply a minor inconvenience. It was actually going to affect us for months. I didn't realize at the time it would actually affect us for years. 
And so Monday, March the 16th, 2020, we as a staff met in the third floor conference room and we began shutting things down. Our women's conference that was planned for two weeks next with Paige Benton Brown. Two weeks of teaching for me in Scotland in the month of April. The junior high choir trip that was supposed to go off at the end of April. Uh, We were hoping at that point that we would still have Easter. As you know, we celebrated Easter, but no one was here in the sanctuary. What I didn't fully understand that day was not only were we shutting the church down, I started shutting down. It was grief, really. Uh, The trauma of everything would come later. It was the grief of what my friend Jack Stokes recognized in me. He called me a few days after we were shutting things down to try to encourage me, and he said, Sean, you're struggling because this is, this is like a math problem, and you're trying to find the right answer, and there's no right answer. And he nailed me. I, I was sinking down into grief and sorrow and depression and despair. Uh, ambushed, really, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And as a result of all of that, I, I was struggling even to read my Bible and to pray. I, I couldn't even give words to what this dark feeling I felt inside of me really was. I didn't really know what else to do, so I, I started reading a psalm a day, and taking that psalm and trying to use the words of that psalm and to pray it back to God. As times I was somewhat successful with that, other times not so much, but then I would, as part of that discipline, take that psalm and write a poem prayer. I I didn't have my own words to pray, but when I didn't have my own words to pray, God's Word gave me a voice to express my sorrow. That's actually what the psalmist is telling us here in these two stanzas, is when we don't know what to pray or we don't know how to pray, God's Word actually gives voice to our sorrow. These two stanzas actually both have elements of lament, of, of the expression publicly of grief, of giving voice to sadness, to sorrow, to darkness, to fear. And the psalmist is telling us as he does so, he's modeling for us when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know how to pray, when we feel as though the darkness is overwhelming us, God's Word gives voice to our sorrows. Here especially, I think the psalmist identifies three kinds of sorrow for which God's Word gives us voice. First is the sorrow of exile. Notice verse 19, what he says. I am a sojourner, he says, on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. The psalmist is saying that he's a sojourner. He's saying that he's a a stranger. He's in exile. 
The language here is in the way the ESV renders it is that he's a stranger on the earth, but more properly, he's, he's a stranger in his land. He's a stranger, he feels like an exile in the place where he should be most at home. He's a stranger in the home place. He's a stranger in the shops of Memphis and the riverfront and the place that he grew up and knows so well, where he raised his children, perhaps. That's the language, this sense of of feeling exiled from one's place and ultimately from one's self. And the upshot is that he feels isolated and alone, and his loneliness is palpable. Where does he go with his sense of loneliness? Where does he go with his sense of being exiled from the very place where he should belong? And for that matter, where do we go? Where do you go when you feel exiled from the place you've known all your life? Where do you go when you feel this palpable aloneness? Not the kind of somewhat enjoyable aloneness when when the spouse and children are out of the house for 24 hours, right? That's a good kind of aloneness. It's more the loneliness where you're alone even when you're in a crowd. Where do you go then? We are more and more those kind of people who know what it is to be exiled, to experience loneliness. In in February 2021, Harvard University Graduate School of Education sponsored a study on loneliness in America. In that survey, 36% of all adult respondents reported serious loneliness, classified as feeling lonely frequently, or almost all the time, or all the time, in the four weeks prior to the survey. And for young people ages 18 to 25, that number was 61%. 61% feeling lonely frequently, almost all the time, or all the time. Of course, February 2021 was at the height of the pandemic. At that point, 43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the pandemic had begun. And this particular stat was especially tragic. About half of lonely young adults reported that no one in the previous four weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask them how they were doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. What is that but a sense of being a stranger, a sojourner, an exile alone? How do we express our loneliness when we feel that no one cares and that no one's near? Well, we can use God's Word to do so. God's Word gives voice to those sorrows that we experience when we feel absolutely alone and exiled from our place. He provides us words in His Word to express that grief. Psalm 88 is, a, is an example of just how this works, how God's Word gives voice to our sorrow of loneliness. In Psalm 88, verse 3, the psalmist says, For my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, 
You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Now that seems dark and overwhelming to think that all of our friends have shunned us, that, that we've become a horror to them, that darkness is our only companion, that we have been exiled in the place where we thought we belonged. But notice Psalm 88, like Psalm 119, where the psalmist says he's a sojourner in his place. They show us that God is not afraid of our dark emotions, our sense of loneliness. In fact, he actually gives us words to use to express our sense of exile. And to use those words actually directs us to God himself. But God's word also gives us voice, not just for our sorrow of exile, but also sorrow that comes from enemies. Notice how the psalmist speaks of his enemies in in verse 21. He says, you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me, scorn and condemned. For I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. He laments, doesn't he, and sorrows over these enemies. He, he calls them insolent, accursed ones. They shower him with scorn and contempt. They're the ones who have power, who are princes, rulers, leaders in his people. They plot against him. And when we have those who oppose us in just this way, who act as our enemies, it breaks our hearts. It fills us with dread. We experience trauma so that we don't want to open envelopes. We don't want to open emails. We don't really want to answer the phone because we're not sure that if the person that's writing or emailing or calling is a friend or an enemy. It can be especially painful and sorrowful when when those enemies are supposed to be our brothers and sisters in Christ. A few weeks ago, I I finished reading K.J. Ramsey's book, The Lord is My Courage. I I commend the book to you. It's, It's a series of meditations on the words and phrases of Psalm 23, but interwoven through those meditations Uh, was the telling of the trauma that KJ and her husband experienced to the abusive uh, behavior of their senior pastor and church elders on the staff in which they serve. And here's how she experienced her traumatic experience of those who should have been her shepherds actually becoming her enemy. She wrote, "I, I do not hate our former pastor. I hate how he demeaned us. I hate how his volatility created an environment where our nervous systems learned to live in fear and constant stress. I hate how he demanded perfection out of people who were doing their best. I hate how burned out and beleaguered so many volunteers became in his orbit. I hate how he subtly used the the pulpit as punishment. I I hate how he mocked his co-pastor around the office and to his face. I hate how he shamed those who didn't agree with his ideas or theology. I hate how so many people, myself included, got sucked into a system that said it was about making Jesus' name great, but actually made us more anxious about our own greatness and belonging. 
I hate that he gave us a picture of a pastor, a shepherd of God's people, that reinforced an image of God as punitive, demanding, detached, and unkind. I do not hate our former pastor, but my heart breaks for him. In that telling, you can hear how grievous it is when those who are princes, when those who are leaders become insolent, accursed, contemptuous, scornful plotters, and connivers. What do we do with that kind of sorrow, that kind of grief, that sadness and pain that comes, especially when those who are to care for us become our enemies? Well, God's Word gives us voice to the sorrow of enemies. Just as the psalmist takes his sorrows and brings them to God, he asks God to act on his behalf. He says, as we use these words and we do the same, rebuke them, Lord. Take away from me their scorn. Don't let it suck me into their orbit. Don't let it stick to me, this scorn that they bring. Grant that as I meditate on your statutes, that, that you might protect me. I will meditate on your word, that you are my shepherd who will lead me in right paths, who will lead me through the darkest valley, who will chase me home with goodness and mercy. Friends, in the times of our sorrow and sadness, when we're exiled or when we face enemies, God's word gives voice to the deepest feelings that we have, including finally the the sorrow of emptiness. How does the psalmist express his emptiness? Look at verse 25. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told you of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. The language of verse 25 gives us a sense of where the psalmist is. The dust is that from which we are made and to which we return. Hence, to cling to the dust is to find oneself laid low emotionally, spiritually, so that he wishes he could return to the dust. He wishes he were dead. He feels utterly bereft, completely empty. Verse 28 has similar language. His soul melts away with sorrow, like ice melting before the sun until it is no more. So his soul feels. He feels like he's melting away until he will be no more. He's utterly bereft, completely empty. Again, God's word gives voice to our sorrows. When we feel empty, when we feel like we want to die, or at least we don't want to wake up in the morning, this isn't foreign to God or his word. Rather, God's word gives us the very words to express how we feel. And it gives us the way forward in the midst of our grief and sadness. Because when we tell God how we feel, as in verse 26, we can say, you answer me. And as we use God's word to express our sadness and sorrow, whether of exile or enemies or emptiness, we actually are coming to the one place, the one person who alone can help us. Notice, when we come to God with our sorrow, he moves us from clinging to the dust to, verse 31, clinging to his testimonies. And when we come to God in 
with the very words he gives us to voice our sorrows. He transforms our souls from melting away to enlarging our heart in verse 32. It doesn't mean that our sorrows become sunshine and rainbows and happiness, but it does mean that God meets us and holds us. He protects us. He, he sometimes fills us, although other times he simply gives us the hope, even when we're empty, to continue to follow him. And even when the darkness threatens to undo us, he reminds us that he will not let us go. That is our great hope, isn't it? Our great hope when we, when we come to God's word and we don't know how to pray and we're shutting down. Our great hope when we give voice to our sorrows using God's word is to be reminded in the end that our steadfast and faithful God, he will not let you go. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we do bless you for your steadfast love and faithfulness. But we also bless you, Lord, that your steadfast love does not let us go. That in your kindness, you continue to remind us that, that your word gives voice to our sorrows. And that in fact, by, by using your word to express the darkness of our hearts and the darkness of our lives, you're actually directing our hearts to the only one who can help us. You are giving us your word to come to the one who is the word, who alone can meet our deepest needs. And so, Lord, we say all glory belongs to you. All praise and honor belongs to you. Until our dying day, Lord, whether it's in great joy or great sorrow, we will continue to trust in you and to sing your praise because you haven't let us go and you never will. We bless you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll conclude our service tonight by singing a, a new text, although you'll recognize the tune, it's Old Lang Syne. But this text is All Glory Be to Christ.